Hi guys and welcome back to Disturbed State. This is episode four and I decided to go a little bit different direction with this one because it could be easily three or four episodes long, but I kind of condensed it down into one so I could get a couple more cases in on Alaska before the end of the month. Sorry for the delay in getting this one out, but it took a lot of research and I highly recommend listening to the book called um, Ice and Bone Tracking an Alaskan Serial Killer by Monty Francis. I found this book during my research and it is extremely well written. I really enjoyed listening to it because I use Audible for most things because I'm too busy to actually sit down with a book. Now, this case is on Joshua Allen Wade. He is actually one of the youngest serial killers I have ever seen. So let's see how this goes. Now, in this episode, I am going to add in some audio from some video clips just to give you a better understanding as to how big this case actually was because it is one I had actually just never heard of and it's insane that I've never heard of it because I've been a true crime fan for many, many, many years. And this all went down in 2007, and I was already out of high school, so who knows? And maybe it's because it's so far north of the rest of the country that it just wasn't reported as much. But it is fascinating nonetheless. ATM card of missing nurse Mindy Schloss had his first court appearance this afternoon. Now he is waiting to find out if he will be released on bail. Two days after Joshua Wade was taken into custody inside a federal courtroom, the 27-year-old intensely listened to the feds lay out their four charges against him. The U.S. attorney says Wade committed bank fraud by using Mindy Schloss's ATM card to withdraw $1,000 from her account. Wade's public defender immediately pushed for a bail hearing. That's when prosecutors called Wade a flight risk, saying he knew he was wanted for days. And if the missing nurse's body is found, Wade will also face prosecution for her murder. Inside the packed courtroom, Wade looked back at his supporters, one being his dad, and the other, the woman who turned him in, 20-year-old Christina Greaser. She tells CBS 11 News she will support Wade throughout the process because she says he has no one else. Mindy Schloss's friends were also in the courtroom. It's a first step in maybe finding some justice for what happened to Mindy. So here is what's next for Joshua Wade and the search for Mindy Schloss. Prosecutors say they will present evidence at the preliminary hearing, including Wade's DNA found in Schloss's car. That preliminary and bail hearing is scheduled for next Monday at 10 a.m. Of course, stay with CBS 11 News, where we will bring you continuing coverage of the hearing and any developments in the case. Tonight, police and... Joshua Wade was originally charged with murder, but when he went to trial, he was acquitted of that charge. He did face four years for tampering with evidence. This was the case of a 33-year-old Native woman named Della Brown. She was mutilated in Midtown seven years ago. 
Anchorage police say Joshua Wade, the man seen here, is the same man who used Minty Schloss's ATM card. His name was connected to the brutal murder of 33-year-old Della Brown. Her beaten body was found in an abandoned shed on Spinard Road in 2000, before Wade was arrested. Witnesses say he bragged to gang members, telling them he killed the native woman and had sex with her corpse. Wade was arrested weeks later, but his story changed. He said he was just telling lies to impress friends. During his trial in April 2003, he faced eight charges, including murder and sexual assault. His defense team told jurors there was not one shred of physical evidence. With that, he was only found guilty for tampering with evidence, serving just over four years in jail. At his sentencing, he had this to say about the case. The only person I'm sorry to is a mother. That's it. And the family. But other than that, I'm not sorry for all the hell you guys had to go through for lying and trying to get a conviction on me. Charging documents show Wade committed a number of crimes when he was a juvenile, including assault, stealing a semi-automatic handgun, cocaine possession, and another incident where he had a camera hanging outside a woman's hotel room window. As an adult, Wade has been charged with armed robbery and burglary. Police say they have no idea where Joshua Wade is right now, but if any Alaskans see him, they don't want you to approach him. Just call police right away. Their number is 786-8900. In the newsroom tonight, Steve O'Brien, CBS 11 News. Okay, so we're now going to get into Joshua Allen Wade. He... This is obviously the Alaska portion of the podcast. So now one of the first places that I go to when a case catches my eye is Wikipedia or Murderpedia. And I was shocked to find that there wasn't anything on him on either one of those sites. So if anybody feels like making one, go for it. I will gladly look at it. Um, Wade was... 20 years old when he went to jail in 2003 for a conviction of evidence tampering. Now, he had only been sentenced to six and a half years for that, and then he was released in 2007. And that year is when he went on to murder Mindy Schloss, but we'll get into that. Now, Wade was a troubled child right from the get-go. Um, most of the time, he was in and out of detention centers from, like, age 12 on. You know, mostly drug and gun charges, which how a 12-year-old gets gun and drug charges is beyond me. But he hung out with some really shady people, and they just encouraged it. He, at one point, was hanging, and now this is the group that he was hanging out with at the time where he committed Della Brown's murder, which we'll also get into her. There's more information on her than there is on Mindy, just because there was so much that went on with Della's case, or cases, I should say, because there's more than one time that he had been brought to the police about Della's case. And at this point, you know, just looking a little bit back on Wade from the time he was 12, he got involved with a gang called the GTS gang. Now, 
please don't persecute me, Jesus, for the pronunciation of this because I am like the whitest person on the planet and I do not speak Spanish. I actually speak German. But the gang was called the Good Boys Traces Serenos. And I apologize for butchering that because I know I just did. It wasn't a serious gang or anything, and it's actually a derivative of a Mexican gang that winds up being connected back to the Mexican Mafia. So, all in all, it was very short-lived because after a few arrests, uh, they disbanded. These guys would do initiations as far as, you know, somebody had to commit a crime in order to get in. And being as they kept getting arrested for it, it just didn't wind up working out. Now, Wade was a skilled artist. He eventually wanted to go on to become a tattoo artist. And he would spend hours upon hours just drawing and then penning over his drawings. Mostly skulls and crossbones and other small things but he never actually got around to being able to even being a tattoo apprentice because he landed his ass in jail. He was very, very particular about his appearance. He had to be just so, and everything had to be perfect. He wore these crisp white tank tops, which I refer to them as wife beaters, just because that's how what I've always known them as. But a lot of people, they're like the Hanes thin undershirts that you wear under dress shirts. And his hair had to be perfect. He had gel in it to make sure that there were no, there was not a hair out of place. He was always very well. He kind of gave off this like bad boy vibe. But he was, at that point, he was also really into drugs and he, when he didn't have them, he would have violent mood swings, and it was pretty unbearable at times. Now, to get into Della Brown, who was the one that he was first prosecuted for, but found not guilty of, and the only thing he was found guilty of was evidence tampering, and was sentenced to six and a half years in prison, from 2003 to 2007, so he must have gotten out for, like, good behavior or something along those lines, or came up for parole, something. I'm not entirely sure. There wasn't a whole lot of information on that. Joshua Wade had demonstrated violent and aggressive behavior on or about from the age of 10, continuing on to his adult life. And between 2000 and 2007, he has violently killed two women, which was a quote from court paperwork from the prosecution in Mindy Schloss's case, who we'll also get to later on. He had his first run-in with law enforcement about the age of 12, so that kind of gives you an idea of where he was going with his life. It never was from the age of 12. He would eventually go on to a life sentence that he's currently serving at a high-security prison. It's uh, Coleman USP2 in Sumterville, Florida. Now, to get on to his first victim, which her name is Della Brown, 
And at the time of her death, she was 33 years old. She was the mom of an 18-year-old son named Robert, who watched her, or he grew up watching her be abused by a lot of men. And so he, he kind of had an example as he was growing up. Della also had a daughter that she had given up for adoption at the age of 15. So she didn't have the, the daughter in her custody. Now, Della was also adopted by her grandparents, her grandmother, her biological grandmother and her step-grandfather, which she bore his last name, which is why she doesn't have a true Alaskan last name. She had the Caucasian last name of Brown. Now, Daisy, her mother, had been raped at an early age and had given Della to her grandparents just to try to escape from being raped in any aspect of it. But looking back, Della had confessed to Daisy, her biological mother, from the age of seven, she had been dealing with abuse from her step-grandfather and would not allow her younger sister to even be in the same room with him alone. Now, growing on a little bit later in the life, she got into alcohol very heavily and got into some drugs, but she would go on to try to get clean and she met a man named Rudy in Alcoholics Anonymous. And he would go on to abuse her, to abuse her as well. He would beat her so badly she would wind up in the emergency room covered in blood and friends would try to get her to break it off with him. But it just wouldn't happen. Now, after a while of being an AA, it didn't work. So she wound up going and getting back heavily into alcohol. She had gotten pulled over because the Jeep that she was driving, which was Rudy's Jeep, didn't have any brake lights. So they thought they were pulling her over for just some out brake lights. But come to find out, she was drunk. She had blown a 2.18, which is more than three times the legal limit. And what tipped her off when the officers asked her to get out of the vehicle so that they could show her the broken taillights, she stumbled out. So there they, they then went through the process of arresting her for a DWI. And from there, it just went downhill. At that point, a couple weeks later, she had asked Rudy for some money to go down and buy something. He had told her no because he didn't want her going to buy liquor. Well, after Rudy fell asleep, she steals his credit card and walks down to the liquor store. She, later on, she was found in the middle of the road. Now, and this is where Wade gets introduced to her life. She was driving down the road with a few of his friends in the car. And he said, after seeing her laying in the middle of the road, he goes, I'm going to run her over. And one of the passengers, a kid named Dwayne, who was 19, actually got out of the car and grabbed her left leg and pulled her out of the road over to a grassy patch near a really like rundown green shed. Now this shed was kind of infamous for a lot of drug use. 
alcohol abuse and a lot of prostitutes would use this rundown green shed to so-called quote-unquote turn tricks or johns whatever you want to call them so it was not a good place for her to be but being as she was drunk she didn't have a care in the world she didn't know what was going on she was just passed out had peed herself and was just gonna lie there and sober up well now Dwayne goes and gets back in the car and they take off they go back on their merry way they go back to the kids house that they were working on vehicles and Wade a couple hours later decided to go check to see if the woman that they had found earlier had had any money on her now being as he was a little deviant this doesn't shock me at all you know going back to see if this passed out drunk lady has cash okay that's way less horrible than what he actually wound up doing I think he just used that as a front I think he was actually and again this is all speculation on my part but I think he actually had planned on going back and murdering her because I, I do believe he was mentally ill now a couple hours after Wade had gone back to the shed to see if she had any money on her there were a couple of guys that had just gone to the liquor store to pick up some beer and some tequila and they were walking with the dog walking by this green shed they one guy had decided to go in and take a couple shots of the tequila because they were going back to their house party but they didn't want to share all the liquor so this one guy goes in to go do a couple shots of the tequila so that they didn't have to share as much liquor which doesn't make any sense but he goes under the, the covered porch area and the door was slightly open to the inside of the shed and he looked in and he thought what he saw was and this is a quote a bum in there and it was actually wound up being Della now they didn't realize at first that it was a woman or that she had been murdered so the other guy that was holding the dog came with his flashlight to shine the light in there and at first all before the other guy came up with the flashlight the one guy's all he saw was smears of red which wouldn't have been surprising completely because of the type of thing that went on in there but the guy with the flashlight goes and shines the light and sees just blood and a woman with her pants pulled down so they take off the guy with the flashlight takes off running drops the beer the liquor and the dog it just takes off running the other guy picks up the beer the liquor and the dog and starts chasing after the other guy a little while down the road the other guy that had originally taken off puts his head between his knees and pukes because he can't believe what he just saw and it made him sick to his stomach because it was terrible so eventually these two get it together and they go back to their house party and they start telling their guests as to what's going on and what they had found well a guy that they didn't know real well had offered to drive them back to see if 
she was still breathing, I'd get her some help. And also along with the three men, a local prostitute named Casey decided to go with them. So the four of them ventured down to the green shed. Now, mind you, they were pretty much all of them on drugs at this point. So it's not, um, not shocking, but they go in and the guy that was, that offered to drive them there actually went in to look. And what he found was a woman that had her pants pulled down to her ankles. Her shirt was pushed up over her breast and her head was basically caved in. So the guy freaks out, comes back out and flips. Now, Casey, the female guest went back to the shed to see if she was still alive. She couldn't see her breathing and with all the blood, she knew there was no way that she was alive. She, Casey is the one that called the cops and had spoken with officer Mark rain and told him that an aura surrounded the shed and lured her to it. And as ludicrous as that sounds, she was on drugs and didn't want to get arrested. Whatever. She did the right thing. She called the cops. Now, Officer Mark Rain was the first guy on scene. He quietly approached the, the shed and was being very thorough doing a perimeter check to make sure that the attacker was not still in there. By the time that he had gotten back around to the covered porch area, he met Sergeant Richardson. And when they go in, it was a gruesome scene. They were not prepared for it at all. Now, and they found the same thing. Della hadn't moved. They, at that point, didn't know who it was. But they had determined that she had been deceased for more than a few hours. So they're thinking probably six to eight hours at this point. So after the medical examiner goes in, they had found burnt matches on her head because somebody basically went in and disrespected her and was throwing lit matches on her. And because of all the blood, they just went out. They didn't do anything. Now, at this point, Wade is already back to the garage. There was no questions I about if he had found anything, no nothing. He just went back and was working on the car. Now, as far as how he was connected to Della, it's completely unclear. But eventually, the sergeant and the officer connect Wade. And the DA charges him with murder. And so they go through that trial. And... Due to some technicalities, he only gets charged with evidence tampering before, because of the matches. His fingerprints were found on the matches, and that part is what got him as a person of interest. Now, he goes to jail for that in 2003. He is sentenced to six and a half years, but he was released in 2007. 
So that's only four years, three and a half, four years, somewhere in there. So I'm not sure if he just was up for parole or he got out on good behavior or what. But by the time he gets out in 2007, this kid has been sitting in jail for three and a half, four years. And he moves to 6902 Cuddy Cirque Road, which is, again, in Anchorage. He moves next door to Mindy Schloss, who is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Now, Mindy was looking at saving, or she was saving up to get her own practice. So she was a very well-liked woman, very stand-up, well-liked in the community, just an all-around good person. She wasn't married. She lived by herself. Now, according to a lot of sources, Wade had a direct line of sight from his bedroom window into Mindy's kitchen. So it's assumed that he was watching her for quite a while as far as to figure out her routine and just to see when a good time would be to go in and try to have sex with her. But he goes in, he broke into her house and instead of just going in and raping her, he binds her with plastic zip ties. Now, after he binds her up, she has no way to get out. She has no way to get out of these zip ties. He had ran back to his place and picked up his revolver. Once he gets back from getting his revolver, he puts her into his car and drives her to various ATMs around Anchorage because obviously she's a nurse practitioner. She's got money, which it's no surprise. He's got a track record of going back and looking for money. And so he drives her to several ATMs to try to empty her bank account. Now, he drives her deep into the woods after all the ATM stops and puts her down on her knees and shot her execution style in the woods. She was not found for over a month. He had abandoned his car at the local airport. So he, uh, I guess he could not be charged with her murder, which I, I don't understand what his line of thinking was there. But he was right off the bat considered a person of interest because, and like I'd mentioned earlier, he had made mention of wanting to have sex with her down the line. And this people came to report that once Mindy's body was found. Now, once Mindy's body was found and he was charged with her murder, he goes into court and he was given a life sentence for Mindy's death. And at that point is when he had also confessed to killing Della Brown. And so the judge gives him a life sentence and Wade had told the courts he goes, I deserve much worse. And that is the understatement of the century. This guy deserves the book and everything else thrown at him. Now, he had also confessed to killing at least one other man, which now makes him a serial killer. Three or more. 
for this man, he, which is still unidentified to this day, and the man was also in the shed where Della's body was. Wade had told officers that he had knocked the man out and put the body in the trunk of the car that he later abandoned at the airport. And because he could hear the guy pounding in the trunk, he got him to the Wasilla area and beat him to the ground, stomped on his head until the man was dead. Then turns around and uses a shotgun to try to make the man unidentifiable. This is just absolutely horrific. I don't understand why this guy was as angry as he was. I, I do have a feeling that it is something to do with mental illness and a lack of drugs. Now, even after being convicted of Schloss's and Della's murder and admitting to another murder, he had proclaimed in court that he was not a serial killer, which I don't think he understands what being a serial killer actually is. But apparently this kid, there's a possibility that he murdered at least two other mentally ill men, homeless men, earlier in his teens. Uh, there's little information on that just because there's n been no prosecution on this. But that's all right. Uh, he's, he's never getting out. This asshole is stuck in Colville prison for the rest of his life. A judge had gotten a hold of the, the sentencing and basically said, I don't want this guy getting out. And there was a mandatory sentence of serving 45 years before he could even go up for parole because he confessed to killing Schloss. He was then taken off the table for the death penalty. Regardless of where you stand on the death penalty, if there was ever anybody that deserved it, this asshole did. It's baffling to know that there are people out there like this that just don't care. And to go on to senselessly kill people like that just because you feel like it is beyond anything sane. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this week, just because I don't want to go too much further. There are so many rabbit holes I could go down on this case. But I want to know what you think. I want to know your opinions on this guy. Go look at his pictures, and you'll, you'll see what I mean by when I say he's got those cold, menacing eyes. Go look him up. Let me know what you think. Also, don't forget, go on Facebook and give the Disturbed State podcast web page a like. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram under Disturbed State Pod. I'm pretty much everywhere. You can also email me at disturbedstatepod at gmail.com. I 
will do my best to get back to you as quickly as possible. But I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much. Also, don't forget to rate and review. You can tell me whatever you want. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I promise. If Tell me if it sucks because I know it's not perfect. We're getting there. It's getting better. The recordings are going much more smoothly. And the sound has gotten better since the first episode. And we're only four episodes in, so it can only go up from here. Again, don't forget to go check out mygaragebar.com where all the fun sports podcasts are going to be coming back on here starting in August. You'll have the three and out, which is the football podcast. Also, don't forget to go check out Beside the Sun. And hopefully we will be able to get some music on this next episode. I have a feeling you guys are going to like them. Stay disturbed.